turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Looking at two verses this morning, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. Our outline breaks down in these two verses. In the three points, we'll see uh, that we're to offer a sacrifice of praise. There's a vertical aspect to the Christian life. Uh, of living a life of worship before God. We'll see also that there's a sacrifices of service. We'll see that in verse 16. This is the horizontal aspect of the Christian life and still worship to God. What we're to do for one another is to be rooted first in worship. And then lastly, we'll see God's response, how it is that God responds to this, these sacrifices of of service that is revealed to us in verse 16. So if you have a copy of God's word open before you look with me, starting at verse number 15. Through him. Then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is God's word. The author of Hebrews has already commanded these Christians to uh, not to participate in the Levitical sacrificial system under the old covenant. And remember last week he gave reasons, continued to give reasons why in verse 12 we saw that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ suffered outside the camp to sanctify the people through his blood. In verse 13, we saw that we're to join our Savior outside the camp, outside of the place in which the old covenant religious work and ceremonies took place at uh, the city, outside of that city. Uh, we, he says we are to join our Savior outside the camp, knowing, verse 14, that this earthly order will soon be gone. We look forward to a heavenly city uh, to continue to, as it were, to worship here, to, to, to continue to worship that started here to continue it in all eternity in that city. In that city. If you're not praising God, if you're not worshiping God in this place, you're not going to worship him in that place. If you have to be 
motivated to worship God in this place. It's not going to do you any good in that place. You know, many of us come and we come like a bump on the law because we're, we're not moved by Christ. We, we, we are looking, we're going to talk about this, is, this in a minute. We are looking to, to get something rather than to give something to God. Because we don't consider Christ. We don't set our focus upon Christ. Like these Jewish believers. Tempted to go back to the old covenant. Go back to doing things the, the way that we used to do them. Rather than doing them. With a heart that is conscious of Christ and moved by the knowledge of Jesus Christ to do all things to the glory of God. And these Jewish believers, they, they being exhorted to turn away from the Levitical system, probably ask this question. Yeah, they, they probably asked this question because they understood that no worshiper in the Old Testament ever came into the tabernacle or in, into the temple without a sacrifice. There was always a sacrifice to give God when a worshiper went inside the tabernacle or the temple. And so they might have asked, we, we have an altar in Christ. His blood has set us apart for God. Does Christianity have any sacrifices? Is there anything that we can do to please God? Is there anything that worshipers have that they can offer to God? In these two passages, We'll be looking at today, the writer Hebrews reveals Christians do have sacrifices of their own to offer God. Through Christ, we can now offer a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice and the sacrifices of service to God. Let's get into our text. Look at verse uh, verse 15. We'll see here a sacrifice of praise through Jesus Christ is what pleases God. Verse 15, notice that it starts out through him. This reaches back to verse 12. So who is the him that verse 15 is talking about through him? The him is Jesus. That is mentioned in verse 12. This phrase through him is emphatic. It is placed at the beginning of the sentence in order to emphasize Jesus and the exclusive nature 
of worshiping God through him alone. Through him alone. If we are to please God in worship, it is to be through him alone. With a conscious awareness of him as we worship. It is not through priests or the continual sacrifice of Christ as the Catholics see it. It's not through sacrifices, not through ceremonies, not through any other mediator, not through Mary, that you worship God. Our means as believers, our means of approaching, worshiping, and serving God is through our mediator, Jesus Christ alone. Our worship revolves around him. Verse 10 says we have an altar. And Jesus is that altar. Jesus is the real sacrifice upon whom we present our lives. We lay out all that we are upon all that he is through him. It is through him we have perfect access to God because Christ sanctifies us through his blood. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says every blessing. You understand that? Every spiritual blessing is rooted in him. Paul adds in verse 6, why? To his glorious grace. <laughs> to the praise of his glorious grace. This is why every spiritual blessing is rooted in Christ because it's not about us. It's about Christ and it is about the praise of the grace and glory of God. This is why through Jesus Christ alone, this is why the, the reformers fought through Jesus Christ alone. Why through Jesus Christ? Can I say this? God has not ceased to be holy. This is why through him, God, God has not ceased to be uh, holy even for us who are believers. God is still holy. And can I say another thing? There is sin in everything we do. I don't know if that, if, if, if you know that, Paul acknowledged that in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, even in the great apostle Paul's life, Paul said there is a principle that evil is present with the one who wills to do good. And 
it, 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 it makes sense why he glory in Jesus Christ in verse 24. I thank God through Jesus Christ. Why is it that Paul's life, he said, for me to live is Christ? Because he understood that God is holy and that there is remaining sin even when he wills to do good. And so if we try to approach God outside of Christ, outside of a conscious awareness of Christ with our own religion, with our own righteousness, with our own good works, doing this before a holy God, these things are vain. They're useless. God is not even entertaining what we're doing. Steve Lawson said it this way, quote, any worship that would come to God outside of the mediatorship of Jesus Christ is dead religion. It never, it never reaches the portal of heaven, close quote. Approaching God is possible not because he has changed or that we in some way merit his approval. We have this privilege of approaching God and worshiping him only through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter nine, verses 11 and 12, the writer of Hebrews said it this way. He said, but when Christ appeared, as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, not by the means of the works of man, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. The writer Hebrews adds in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, he says this, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places how? By the blood of Jesus, by the new, this, this is this new way, this new way through Christ, not like the old. It is a living way, he says, by the new and living way that he, Jesus, opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. It is only through him that we're able to worship God. And because we have Jesus as our mediator, look at verse 15 again in Hebrews. The writer continues, he says, then let us, every believer, every believer, none of us are excused from what follows. This applies 
to every believer in Jesus Christ. This applies to every saint of God. Then let us notice continually offer up this language that is used here is the language of the priesthood and of worship. The priests were continually offering up in worship sacrifices. The author of Hebrews takes this language now and apply it to us as believers. Christ has made us spiritual priests according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to the Apostle Peter in, chapter, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where he says, But you, who? Believers. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why it is that God saved you? Was it because God was making much of you? No. God chose you. He chose you in the Son. He chose you and made you a royal priesthood in the Son. For what purpose? that you may continually, unceasingly, at all times, proclaim the excellencies of him. Who is the him? Of God. God, you're so glorious. God, you are so great. You're so majestic in your being. You are praiseworthy. You are all glorious. You are worthy of every praise that comes out of my mouth. Because we're priests, spiritual priests, there's no set hours for our worship. There's no set hours where uh, we only come to church and worship starting at 1030 to whatever time we finish. Oh, those aren't set hours. For us as believers in Jesus Christ. Notice what the writer said. Then let us continually offer up continually. It means habitually. Moment by moment, we're to offer up worship 
This means, beloved, if you're a believer, the pattern of your life. When somebody looks at your life, the pattern of your life, the ongoing pattern, the way of living, the way you live your life, the constant devotion, that which you is devoted to in your life must be worship of God. Many think that outside of Sunday, our worship stops. No, it doesn't. Uh, Sunday, it just begins. Sunday, it is stirred up. It is inflamed so that we can go out and continue to worship God and what we say and what we do. That's all this is for. It is to stir you up to go out and to continue to proclaim the excellencies of God. Worship is something that God expects from us through Christ continually. Many come to church with the with the mindset of a consumer coming to get, coming to be entertained. And if that is your attitude, you should understand that if you are joyless and if you're constantly disappointed in your life, this is the reason. If you grumble and complain or have a bad attitude, you're not giving God what he is due, according to this passage. And so to combat our selfishness, to combat our selfish desires, we must remember that life is not about getting something. It is about remaining worshipful to God in whatever we are doing. It is about maintaining a conscience awareness of Christ and what God has done for us in Christ and having a response to that an attitude of worship in whatever we do and in whatever we say. It is to be continuous and it's to be to God. Notice that the sacrifice you are to offer up, offer up heaven word, heaven word, offer. You, 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 this is what you're doing. You're offering up heaven words to God. Notice that it's spiritual. He says, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice. <laughs> Notice a sacrifice. This means that this is the, 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 the only thing that you live for. This is, the, this is the, the priority of what God has called you to do. A sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise to God. Peter says, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he says, 
you yourselves like living stones. Talking about Christ being joined to Christ, who is the the cornerstone. He says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is why God saved you. This is why he, through Christ, gave you access to the throne of mercy and of grace. So that you can offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to him through Jesus Christ. The writer is saying, the writer Hebrews is saying, he's saying that the, 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 the only proper response, a sacrifice, the only proper response to the gift of salvation that God has given to you in Christ is to live a life of continual gratitude and praise. Your life in this world, your life in this world should be preoccupied with praise and thanksgiving to God. This don't make you a charismatic. This make you a true believer. In order to do this, in all circumstances, in every situation, in every condition, that we find ourselves in order to do this in every moment of every day, in everything you're doing, you must remain conscious of who God is and what he has done because it's to him. Re remain conscious, have a conscious awareness of, of who he is and what he has done you to do this with the sacrifice of praise in your heart. Listen to how Martin Luther said it. He says, quote, he said it in this way, quote, the Christian life, he says, as you were, the Christian ought to be a living doxology. Close quote. The Christian when someone looks at you, what sums up you should be doxology. The Christian ought to be a living doxology. Philip Hughes noted, quote, this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving affects our being in its entirety and therefore 
is to be offered to God continually at all times and under all circumstances, not occasionally or even at regular intervals as with the sacrifices of old, but uninterrupted. Close quote. John MacArthur, he added, doxology should characterize every believer's life. And he adds, as you find people, listen, he says, as you find people contemplating the realities of salvation, they burst into praise. Close quote. Contemplation. Remember, we talked about Peter and his emphasis upon the knowledge of Christ and how he said in in second Peter chapter three, verse 18, but grow. He ended. He started out talking about the knowledge of God. He ended and he said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's talking about a, a contemplation through the word of God, the truth that is revealed about who God is and about who Christ is. Contemplate upon the realities of what God has done and what he has done through Jesus Christ. And if you do that, if your heart has been changed, the only response from you will be to burst in praise whenever you're thinking about Christ, whenever you're thinking about God. You might say, it's impossible for me to praise God all the time. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? The psalmist said in Psalm 34 and 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He says in Psalm 92 verses 1 and 2, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to his name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. He said all day, <laughs> all day. Paul says in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we leave worship service, again, nothing should change. N nothing should change as far as worshiping God. As I said earlier, it's the, this, that's the beginning. This is where the gasoline is taken and poured on the fire. Woof! Burst open. This is where it's inflamed. That's why we're not to be a casual attender of church. We shouldn't neglect coming together to study God's word.
And the writer goes on here in Hebrews. He interprets what this means. Or he describes what this means. He says that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. He, he uh, takes this uh, from the Septuagint uh, version of Hosea chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. And I just want to I want to read it for you as a plea to return to the Lord. Hosea chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. Listen. Listen. Hosea says, return. Talking about the nation of Israel. This is to the people of God. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take your, take, he says, take with you words. Verse 2. Take with you words and return to the Lord, saying to him, take away all iniquity. We see here that there is an acknowledgement of sin. Accept what is good. Acknowledge your sinfulness. Accept the goodness of God and we will pay. <laughs> he says, and we will pay. In the ESV, it says, with bulls, the vows of our lips. In the Septuagint, it says, and we will pay the fruit of our lips. What is the writer saying? He is saying that offerings can only be made after offerings for forgiveness are completed. Our forgiveness is completed. Where? In Christ. And so what is to be the response? But what is to be the response of the work of Christ that has made us clean and pure. We have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the fruit of our lips. It is the offering of our lips. The writer Hebrew says the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name in response to all that God has done. Our response should be to acknowledge the name of God, our Savior. Acknowledge his goodness. Romans 12 and 1, Paul uses a, a, a similar uh, formula where he says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, knowing that at one time you were a sinner and that now 
in Christ, you have been justified. You have been sanctified. Your sins have been atoned for. You're able to uh, to able to uh, live a life that is not dominated by sin. Your grace upon grace has been poured out upon you in Christ Jesus. And because of this mercy, knowing that you were a sinner and it is Christ who have dealt with your sins. He is the propitiation for your sins. Knowing this by the mercies of God, what is your response to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship? You're to, to be presenting your body, all that you are, all that you are, all that you do with your body, with your mind is to present, be presented not as a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. And a living sacrifice is characterized by continual praise to God. What you say, your speech should glorify the name of God because your heart has been changed. He says the the fruit of lips, the the result, the product of what is spontaneous and naturally occurring in the heart should flow out of our mouth. It should be in all that we do. Under the new covenant, remember that our heart has been changed. And because our heart has been changed, the natural thing to do is to praise God. Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 18, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And if your heart has been changed, it is natural for you to Every time you contemplate the goodness of God in Christ, it is natural for you to praise God. The fruit of the lips, is, is, it should be naturally occurring. From a heart that has been regenerated. And if this doesn't make sense to you, then perhaps your heart hasn't been changed. Matthew 15 and 8 says this. It says that this people, Jesus says, this people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. It starts in the heart. It starts with a changed heart. It starts with salvation. It starts with acknowledging that you're a sinner and coming and laying upon the altar of Christ and repenting of your sins, submitting yourself to him as Lord and Savior. Which leads to a lifestyle of perpetual praise. It starts with God and his sovereign work of salvation. The psalmist said in Psalm 43, he says, put a new song in my mouth. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. 
not only does our praise flows in a vertical sense and a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise, a lifestyle of praise, it also flows horizontal in sacrifices of service. Do good and share what you have. Look at verse number six. And in, in the uh, NASB, in the NASB, it starts with and, which means that verse 16 is a continuation of what is being talked about in verse 15, it says, do not neglect. This is an imperative. This is a command. And it's saying, don't make it a habit to neglect to do good. And what, what is this? What does this mean? It, it means that from what you know about God, what you know about Christ is the flow for the glory of God, good and sharing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The glory of God, the praise of God, is connected, should be connected, glorifying God should be connected with all that we do. And that includes doing good to others. Doing good to others should be an expression of gratitude and worship to God who saved us by his sovereign grace. It, 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 it reveals that we trust him when we do good, that, that we, we trust him and that, and that we uh, 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 that we glory in him. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Paul commanded in Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And he, he characterizes it this way, so he, he says, so then as we have opportunity." God has given us as long as we live life on this earth by in his sovereign providence, he has given us an opportunity. That's what your life is. Your life is an opportunity given by God. So he says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Doing good by serving others are unique opportunities given to us by God. Remember, in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 13, the writer says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. So the extent of this doing good, it extends beyond Sunday, it extends outside of the church. Wherever we have an opportunity to do good, even to strangers, those who are believers who we don't know, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained strange uh, angels un, un, uh, unawares. Remember those who are in prison, 
as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are uh, since also uh, since you also are in the body. We're to do good. Do good by taking advantage of the opportunities that we come across by God's sovereign providence. Jesus' life was characterized by doing good. Luke 24 and 19, and he said, and he said to them, well, what things? And they said uh, to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, these are the things that they were saying about Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a, a prophet, mighty indeed, the same word that is used here as good, uh, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Peter adds in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, the good that, that Christ did uh, for uh, before God and all the people was enabled by the Holy Spirit. He says that he got anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the, the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Doing good is done uh, in, 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 in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It is an extension of the work of the Holy Spirit by the word of God in our hearts that produces worship. Doing good, what we do for other people is an extension of our worship of God through Jesus Christ. So we're to do good. And worshipers are also to, to offer up a sacrifice. These are a sacrifice, a sacrifice of doing good, sacrifice of sharing with others to the praise of God. He says, and to share what you have. And these believers, they were already sharing of their material goods with people in need, and they would continue to do that. Some of these Christians probably lost all of their property during times of persecution. And so a natural expression of worship to God is uh, sharing what you have with others when you realize that there's a need. It isn't being stingy, not even with your life. Some of us can be manipulators with our lives. Your life don't belong to you. It belongs to God. You share not only your material goods, but who you are, yourself, your time, your energy. Share it with others. Meet together. Encourage others to run and stay in the Christian race. Show hospitality to others. Give yourself in ministry to sharing all that you are with others. Paul had this attitude. Paul had a, a similar attitude where he was giving of himself to others. There were, there were those who in ministry around him 
they were, he said, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, he said, there were those who were proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. They were proclaiming Christ, but they were doing it for selfish reasons. They were sharing themselves and giving the truth of Christ, but it was for selfish gain. Paul adds in verse 19 of himself, he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I would not be at all ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, if God allows me to continue to live, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I, I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to, is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. And he says, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you. Why? For your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's desire, his eager expectation and hope would be that Christ would be honored in what he does with his body. And that would include doing good and sharing all that he is with others for their spiritual benefit and joy in the faith. Of course, it goes on, it says of Christ that we're to have the mind that Christ had who gave his life, who came to earth and gave all that he is for us. And what is God's response when we do this? When we offer these sacrifices of doing good and sharing what we have with others. And here's the reason. God's response. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Is it not worth it to know what God requires? Is it not worth it to know what is pleasing to God? Is that what you consume with when you come to church to find out what is pleasing to God so that you can do it?
Or are you inward focused upon yourself? And your focus is, is what God is doing for you. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Such of this kind of sacrifices, doing good and sharing God's blessings to us with others, are considered sacrifices pleasing to God. It's not going to be easy is what the writer is saying. And it is something that you are to present to God. It is to be done out of presenting at, uh, as a, a, a form of worship to God. When you do all that you do out of loving devotion for Christ, And for what God has done for Christ. When you love others because of what God has done in Christ, you glorify God. And that is of supreme importance. That God is pleased with what we do. When we live in a way before God that demonstrates our reverence and awe of him whenever we live and whatever we do that is because of the reverence and the awe that we have for him, it is acceptable. Hebrews 12 and verse 28 says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. And this is what that worship looks like. This, this is what it looks like. It is continual. Day and night, it, it, it continues even when we leave this place. It flows vertically to God. It is rooted in all that, that God has done in Christ. And it overflows. It overflows from our vertical relationship, our vertical praise of God. It overflows out of our lives into the lives of others. This is what God is pleasing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us clear instructions in your word on how we are to relate to you under the new covenant. It is clearly revealed how we are to serve and to worship you and to extend our, uh, that which is worship to you through Christ to extend that out into the lives of others. 
No wonder Paul said rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. No wonder James says count it all joy when you encounter various trials and tribulations. No wonder the Apostle Paul says in everything give thanks. It is because we know you. It is because we have the truth of word of the word in which we can meditate upon day and night and we can contemplate as David did in the night watch. We can contemplate day and night when we are up on our bed, when whatever we're doing, we can contemplate you and your goodness as revealed in your word. And we can be motivated by that. And what this reveals to us, Father, is that in the times where we are not praising, not worshiping, when it's not a lifestyle for us, we have been consumed. We have become consumed with ourselves. That our focus is upon us. That we're not setting our minds on things above. We're not seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We're seeking our own glory. Even if we're doing what you have called us to do, we could be doing it seeking our own glory and not doing it out of a response of what Christ or what you have accomplished in Christ for us. And so we thank you that the scripture reveals to us the truth about ourselves so that we can conduct ourselves appropriately in the time that you have given us in this world so that we can live in a way that pleases you through Jesus Christ. To his glory and to his honor, we pray. Amen.